In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the High Ground News podcast, where our journalists go on the ground to talk about what's going on in Memphis neighborhoods. And we're in Madison Heights right now. That's radiating out from the center of Cleveland and Madison. We've been there for a couple months. So if you haven't checked out our coverage at highgroundnews.com, please do. You can see our articles, stories, videos, photo essays, and a lot of great content from that neighborhood. And next neighborhood is Hickory Hill. One of the great things about uh, the on the ground work is just the really great diversity of Memphis neighborhoods and going intensively to cover them. And Hickory Hill and Madison Heights probably, I'm sure they have some of the same challenges, but they couldn't be more different in terms of their style. So we're excited about going there. And the coverage of that neighborhood will start in September and run through the end of the year. So as always, the podcast is hosted by Daily Memphian in partnership with OEM Network. And today, I'm really thrilled to welcome two uh, longtime partners in crime and friends, Paul Young, who's the head of the city's division of housing and community development, and John Paul Schaefer, who's the executive director of Building Memphis. So, welcome, you guys. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. So, one of the great uh, great things about hosting the podcast for me is just I get to invite on, of course, people that you know I know and admire, but also get to cover. Uh, subjects that are of particular interest to me. And certainly this subject is near and dear to my heart because we're talking about Memphis's new affordable housing trust fund, which has been many, many years in the planning stage, finally coming to fruition. Uh, and I think we'll have a over the long term have a have a could have a huge impact on community development in Memphis. So let's just kick things off and let's I always like to, I always think that probably a lot of the listeners aren't going to know what an affordable housing trust fund is. So will one of you just um, give us the, you know, start the 30,000 foot level and just say, so what's a housing housing trust fund? Um, Well, you know, housing trust fund is some pot of money that is dedicated by some entity um, to tackle kind of the the housing affordability needs of a given community. And so you've got things from the the national level where there's a U.S. affordable housing trust fund that then filters down through the states. Uh, the state manages their, their version of the trust fund um, where we didn't have the tools at the local level. Um, and so now with the creation of this uh, this year, um, we have a local source of funding that we can use to go at, you know, whether it's home repair or it's multifamily affordability, um, you know, and the best thing about having one at the local level is that it's controlled locally. Uh, it can be prioritized to meet local needs. Um, and so, you know, these things come you know, up. You're with, answering all my future questions. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I like to think ahead. Think about the future. Right. Um, so, Paul, you have been in your role for for a few years now, but uh, but I think at some point when you got to to your job at housing community development, you probably sort of assessed the funding landscape right. and and so tell us about that and how you recognized 
that there was a need for this here? Yeah, so I've been in my role since January 2016. And, you know, one of the first things I did was really try to get a handle on all of the funding streams that we manage within HCD. Uh, so we received the federal entitlement funds. For those that don't know, that would be community development block grant funding, which is the most flexible funding stream that any city receives related to development. Uh, so you can use CDBG for housing. You can use it for um, infrastructure and different things. We have what we call home funds, uh, HOME. Those are funds that are strictly dedicated for affordable housing. And one of the things I noticed when I got there is that those two streams had been going down each year. So back in, I guess, the year 2000 or so, we were receiving roughly $12 million in CDBG. Uh, that's down to six and a half now. Uh, and at the time it was out down to six. We actually got a little bit of a bump in the last year or so. Uh, and then home funds, which is strictly dedicated for affordable housing. Uh, we were in the six and a half million dollar range back in 2000. And, uh, now we're down to, at that time it was two and a half. Now we're up to about three. Uh, so, you know, we could see very clearly that these funding streams were continuing to reduce. I uh, had some great conversations with uh, with you and, you know, the rest of the community development indus industry. And they talked about this need for a local tool that we can control. Shortly thereafter, uh, the federal government began to propose cuts to CDBG and home. Uh, so it quickly became apparent that we must find a tool for us to uh, decide our own destiny when it comes to affordable housing locally. And so we worked with the industry to come up with something. Well, plus I remember that the, that the CDBG funds, and I'm not sure about the home funds, the CDBG funds are not really uh, divided in how we would see a sort of an equitable fashion across yeah. cities, not all cities, just the way the formula works. Some cities that uh, you would think would be similar to Memphis get a lot more, right. which puts us kind of at the short end of that stick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really a quirky formula because they actually have an A and B formula. Uh, and with the A formula, which is what we are, is heavily weighted on uh, poverty uh, and the poverty rate. But the B formula is heavily weights uh, cities that have pre-1940s housing units. So it's based on how many, how many housing units they had in the 1940s. So that means cities like uh, Detroit, Baltimore, cities that were very dense, uh, those rust belt cities that had a lot of density in the core that were kind of hollowed out. They have very similar population sizes as us. I think Detroit is roughly 700,000 people. Uh, they get $33 million a year annually in CDBG, and we get six. That's just depressing. Yes, <laughs> it is. I knew it, but just hearing it again, it's... So, John Paul, I know this was really an all-hands-on-deck effort, getting the trust fund put together. There was a coalition. Um, talk a little bit about that process of... of and, and you too as well, Paul, kind of bringing everybody together and, and making the case, building the plan for a local effort. Sure. Um, and you know, as well as anybody, you know, this dates back 10 years or, or more um, when we started looking at what the local need was and, you know, what are some steps to get us there, um, you know, really saw a signal with new leadership in, in the city um, with Paul at HCD as a new opportunity to kind of come to them with some of the needs that we had been talking amongst ourselves, uh, so to speak, for, for several years. Um, you know, this is something that, that has come up through our policy work and our capacity building work with CDCs across the city, um, that it is very hard to get kind of that, that piece of funding 
that, that makes some of these projects possible. Um, and so we started reaching out, you know, not only to HCD in the city, but also to Innovate Memphis and, you know, other stakeholders in the industry uh, to kind of dust off this study that had been done years ago um, and, and look at, you know, have the needs changed significantly? Uh, are there new players we need to bring to the table? And so I, mean, I think it was September of 2017 when we convened, you know, a pretty big room of folks from bankers to um, property management companies to, you know, private market or for-profit developers and CDCs to kind of look at, you know, where are we now, uh, and what are the next steps forward? And so then, you know, the next couple of years have been kind of hashing out the details. Well, what was, what was the process, um, in actually getting it, and, and the governance, is it, is it quasi public? I know it had to be approved by city council. What was that whole process like getting it Till it's to, to be a formal entity. Yeah, so I can uh, speak to that because I think on the front end, the, the process that John Paul was describing was really us trying to make the case to demonstrate there was a need. We went through a, a extensive process with a lot of different partners collecting data and culling it and making sure that it told a story to show exactly what the need was. The next difficult and probably the most difficult part of the process was trying to hone in on what will be the revenue, the recurring revenue stream that we would utilize. Uh, and we we took a look at different types of taxes, whether it would be sales taxes, real estate transfer taxes, anything that we could associate to replenish the fund on an annual basis. Uh, and we worked with uh, the administration uh, and we identified that we were starting to do a good job in saving funds uh, when it came to our debt service. And so uh, we looked at how can we allocate some of those savings that we were getting from our debt service payments. And we dedicated two thirds of a penny on the tax rate, which generates roughly $700,000. We dedicated that to the trust fund. So each year we will have at least $700,000 coming in, not counting any uh, additional um, philanthropic The city's uh, debt service. The city's mm -hmm. debt service. Three quarters so, of 1%. Yes, yes. Uh, Two thirds of, of a penny. So whatever that accounts to, that's all the seven hundred thousand um, dollars in cash each year. And in terms of governance, right now the project, it, the process will be managed through HCD. Uh, one of the things that we found during our uh, exploratory phase was that when you're dealing with local government dedicating uh, tax revenues. Local government tends to want to have some say on how those tax revenues are uh, used. Sure. So right now we wanted to build up confidence with the fund, uh, get the fund on um, good, solid ground. So we have an advisory committee uh, that's kind of leading uh, HCD and putting together what the rules and requirements will be, what will what what um what median what income bracket will we focus on will it be 60 percent area median income will it be 30 percent 80 percent those are the types of decisions that we're balancing right now and then even more fundamentally what will it fund uh, we're looking at home repairs multifamily, uh new and rehab of multifamily, and single family rehab and even new uh single family is something that we're discussing well i mean i'd like to elaborate on that a little bit because I remember one of the great things about trust funds is that it is local decision-making mm -hmm. and it really can be used, um, unlike a lot of federal government or government money that has, or even, you know, bank financing that has constraints on it, there's, um, there's a lot of flexibility. And so, but I know we do have a lot of needs. So 
So how do you, is, how's the money going to be awarded, I guess? And then what do you see as the, I mean, you mentioned a number of things. Do you have a sense, not to put you on the spot, but do you have a sense for what some of the early priorities will be? Yeah, so uh, we've had, I think, two meetings with the advisory team, and we've been having some real intense discussion and debate. Uh, I think on the front end, we will uh, almost certainly have an emphasis on home repair uh, because that's one of the areas where we don't have a lot of resources that's dedicated. Uh, we feel like if we can set a cap on how much we can put into a home, whether that's fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, uh, we'll be able to do a number of units uh, in that way. So I know that that'll be a part of it. Uh, we are still kind of balancing out how much of the fund will go towards uh, single and multifamily um, because we don't want it to be something where you know only one or two projects uh, are able to get a benefit. We also are thinking about how can we be uh, targeted geographically. Uh, we know that when you just sprinkle money around, uh, particularly when it's such a small amount, it'll. we, we want to have an impact. So we want to try and see, is, are there ways that we can be more geographically targeted? So those are things that we're uh, going back and forth on over the next month and a half, two months to really uh, put it out to the streets. The other thing that I think is important to note is that the funds will be allocated to nonprofits. So even with home repair, it won't be that individual homeowners will be applying. Uh, it'll be nonprofits that apply to say um, their service area is South Memphis and they want to serve homeowners and uh, landlords in the South Memphis uh, area. Well, and what's the uh, what's the strategy to raise additional funds and I guess sort of a two-part question, that generally, um, what are some of the other funding sources? I'm sure you're going to try to raise more money. Um, what are the other funding sources you anticipate tapping into? And then secondarily, I know that the state and the federal government have trust funds, and can we request allocations for from either of them for our trust fund? I think it's possible for us to certainly ask for them to uh, make allocations to our trust fund. Our goal would be to make sure that it's as unrestricted as possible, though. We don't want to uh, accept funds that uh, limit our ability to have local control uh, of how we want to invest it. But if we can find that uh, agreement with them, we certainly could look at those trust funds. Our, our strategy going out, though, is that we need to get started. Uh, so we didn't want to wait until we go and make all the rounds and trying to oh, introduce sure. the fund. We want to demonstrate that we can manage this thing and that we can get some early wins. And so our goal is to get this fund out on the street in September uh, just to get the applications rolling in to see what the demand is. In the meantime, we'll be reaching out to philanthropy. We'll reach out to other governments like Shelby County, uh, the state, uh, and try to get as much uh, funding as we can. Do you anticipate um, any additional recurring funding streams? Is that something that's on your wish list? It is something on our wish list. I mean, we, we have some ideas that we, you know, would look at some of the existing incentives that are out, uh, some of the fees that uh, are going to different uh, governing bodies throughout the city and try to see if we can work with those agencies to carve off a piece so that it can also uh, go into this housing trust fund. The more diverse um, funding streams we have, the, the, the more sustainability we'll have for the fund. And John Paul, I mean, you're working at the neighborhood level, even though the fund's relatively small at this point. What, how do you see the potential sort of being realized on the ground in your mind? 
I mean, I certainly think there are organizations out there that, you know, this can help close a gap for them to be able to kind of increase production. Um, we're already seeing some partnerships develop between CDCs to kind of fill a need. It's not all of them are, are doing housing construction at the moment, uh, but there are those in the network who can kind of step in and fill that role. Um, so if, you know, a specific neighborhood goes for these funds and say, we're going to partner with this other CDC, I won't, I won't throw any names out there. Um, you know, it can really expand their impact within the neighborhoods. I mean, I certainly think also to the, to the additional funding, uh, perspective, you know, having a stakeholder group that included the banks and, you know, a variety of players who can bring additional resources. You know, we had initially set a goal of, I think it was $5 million a year. Um, to really tackle the scale of the problem that that's uh, well, I was going to ask what your sort of fantasy was. Right. Well, I mean, fantasy you could go even higher than that. Right. I mean, we've seen some of our peer or model cities, you know, dedicate way more than that. Um, they they probably have a slightly higher need than we do. Um, but you know, having them, you know, maybe they can make some of their CRA investments into the fund, um, and then that kind of also. To the long term, like where does this live? Uh, like Paul said, we really try to get it up off the ground, but in the future, it might be a quasi-governmental body that that manages the fund um, and is able to attract like all of these different types of investment. Well, I guess that was. I don't want to get too much into the weeds, right. as much as I love the weeds because I do. <laughs> but um, but I guess you know at some point, would it be some kind of a, an an entity that could receive donations from the from bank CRA investments, for example. Yeah, and I and I'll, I should make the point that we can do that now okay. because the way that we've structured the fund, although it's managed by city government, the account uh, where we are depositing the funds is with the Community Foundation of Greater Memphis. Greater okay. yeah, Community Foundation of Greater Memphis. That's an important uh, distinction. So, yeah. so we're wor- we're working with them to house the fund, uh, and we will manage it. So right now we can accept. Um, tax deductible donations. Uh, we can accept all those things towards. Yeah, the your checkbooks today. out, people. Yeah, yeah, this is check important. Out. We will take it. Uh, so we'll be going to city council to formally uh, establish that account uh, sometime this month in August. Okay, that's great. Well, so what what else do our listeners need to know about this? Anything I haven't asked you that you want to? Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll start then. I, I, I think that. Um, the important thing to note is that in Memphis, we have not just an affordable housing problem because there are plenty of cheap places to live. We have a quality affordable housing problem. And so this trust fund is intended to be able to help us address the quality of our housing stock. And so we need to have funds like this that allow people to make um, improvements that otherwise might not cash flow. That's part of the reason that we have such low quality housing is because when people look at the cost for the investment and they look at the amount of the rent that they can get in a given zip code, they decide that it doesn't cash flow. Not saying that that's everybody's case, but that's often the case. And so now uh, we are taking that excuse, excuse away by providing some funding. And I think also, you know, you mentioned this was an all hands on deck kind of an effort. I think going forward, the the whole picture of affordable housing is an all hands on deck. Well, I guess that's a great question. Like what sort of um, what's next in terms of going after other funding sources or um, are there any other sort of uh, initiatives? The same group of people is working on to right. to move the to move the needle on in an important area. 
the additional funding is is on the near horizon, but in the meantime, we're also, you know, we have reconvened this Memphis Housing Counseling Network. Um, we're trying to get more folks trained to be certified counselors, whether it's for rental counseling, home ownership counseling, foreclosure avoidance. Um, we've also got a great partnership going on with between United Housing and the Memphis Public Library, uh, where through their link to on one system, we're able to pull data on a monthly basis by zip code of like, what are the highest needs? So how many folks are calling in requesting uh, emergency housing assistance? So what are the highest needs? Do you have emergency housing and rental assistance are, are the two highest needs coming in through that system. rental assistance, finding a place or can't afford the rent? Both. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, we've had a lot of resources focused on home ownership counseling, not as many focused on the rental side of things. Um, so really looking at ways we can kind of beef that up through partnerships or, you know, growing the number of counselors who are working on the ground. Okay. That sounds like a, a potential podcast right there. It does. Well, so thanks to Paul Young from Division of Housing Community Development and John Paul Schaefer from Building Memphis to talk to us today about the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. So please visit highgroundnews.com to see our ongoing coverage of Madison Heights and other neighborhoods. And then thank you to Daily Memphian OAM Network for and our, and our producer, Natalie Van Gundy, for their uh, assistance putting the podcast together. And then you can subscribe to this podcast on um, Spotify and Stitcher and any of the podcast platforms. So please subscribe, let us know what you think and uh, let us know if you've got topics for future podcasts because we'd love to hear them. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Thanks. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community. The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis and seeks to tell the stories of this city. The Truth in place.